0: Welcome back to Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. This is Michael Delaware. I am your host. Today is the day after Thanksgiving, and I'm hopeful that everybody out there had a wonderful holiday. And perhaps you're out doing some shopping today on Friday, taking advantage of Black Friday deals. And in the spirit of the holidays now, the official Christmas season being underway... I wanted to tell you the story of the Christmas tree ship. This is a story filled with legend and facts, a little bit of mystery and ghost stories attached to it. So come along and join me. So I first heard about this story from a friend of mine who works with what to Theater here in Battle Creek. And she was telling me about a play that they are putting on this holiday season with the kids that is the story of the Christmas tree ship. And this is a based on a true story play about an actual ship that sank in Lake Michigan. And the name of the ship was the Rouse Simons, and it was a schooner, and the captain was Herman E. Schoonerman, and the ship sank in 1912 on Lake Michigan. So we're going to delve into that story. The article that I'm going to be referring to today was run in Prologue magazine in the winter edition of 2006. It's volume 38, number 4. And it was an article written by Glenn Longacre. So if you want to look that up online and read the whole story yourself, I'll put the link to that in the show note description so that you can follow the story a little bit more and do your own research. But the Rouse Simons was a ship that did exist, and it sank on Lake Michigan. And the story begins that on a drizzly overcast day in late October 1971, Milwaukee scuba diver Gordon Kent Bell Richard was surveying wood sonar, the bottom of Lake Michigan's west coast waters off of two rivers, Wisconsin. Now, Bill Richard was searching for the Vernon, which is a 177-foot, 700-ton steamer that had sunk with only one survivor in a storm in October of 1887. Local fishermen described, an area to Bell Richard where their nets had snagged on previous occasions as a potential site to search. His sonar made a promising contact, and he descended with what appeared to be a well-preserved shipwreck resting in an upright position on the lake bed in 172 feet of water. Now, after searching the wreck, his jury-rigged dive light promptly malfunctioned, and it left him blanketed in a murky darkness without light, He surveyed the wreckage by feeling along its hull, and Bell Richard quickly realized that he had not discovered the large, propeller-driven Vernon which he'd been looking for, but he had discovered the wreck of the elusive Rouse Simons, a 205-ton, three-masted schooner that had disappeared beneath the waves in a winter gale, in November of 1912. So when Bell Richard surfaced, he lay on his boat and yelled for joy. His discovery ended a mystery that had surrounded the fate of one of the most legendary ships, on Lake Michigan and its much-beloved captain that ever sailed in Lake Michigan waters. For Bell Richard had discovered the grave of one of the most famous ships, the Christmas Tree Ships, and its skipper, often known as Captain Santa. So the saga of Herman E. Schoonerman and the Rouse Simons is a microcosm of Great Lakes maritime history preserved for researchers who visit the National Archives and Records Administration of the Great Lakes region in Chicago. The original and microfilm records held in the Great Lakes region not only document the birth, life, and death of the legendary schooner, but also its enigmatic and kind-hearted captain. In 1870, census reveals that Wisconsin native Schoonerman was born about 1865 into the middle of a growing family of six children in the predominantly German community of Anapi, now present-day Algoma, on the shores of Lake Michigan. His oldest brother, August, born in 1853, was the first of the children to make his living on the lake. Herman, however, soon followed in his brother's footsteps. In 1868, three years after Schoonerman's birth, the age of sail on Lake Michigan reached its zenith when more than 1,800 sailing ships populated the lake. After that year, the number of sailing ships began a decline that lasted until they disappeared almost completely in the late 1920s. The dominant sail-powered vessel on Lake Michigan was the sturdy schooner, built to haul heavy loads out of and into shallow harbors. The principal cargo of most of the schooners on Lake Michigan was lumber, which fed the high demand of building materials in growing urban cities such as Chicago and Milwaukee. In 1868, peak in-sail powered ships on Lake Michigan also marked the year the Rouse-Simmons was launched in Milwaukee from the Milwaukee shipyards. The ship was built by the firm of Allen McClelland and Company, one of Milwaukee's preeminent shipbuilding firms. Sleek and sturdy, the 123 foot Rouse Simmons was a was licensed and enrolled on August 27, 1868, and it was licensed out of the port of Milwaukee. The vessel's managing owner was Royal B. Townsley of Kenosha, Wisconsin, and its first master was Alfred Ackerman. The Rouse Simmons, forgive me, sometimes I may say Simons in this, but it's clearly spelt S-I-M-M-O-N-S. So the Rouse Simmons was named after a well-known Kenosha merchant of the same name, A brother, Zalman Simmons, soon gained fame for his family's burgeoning mattress company, so Simmons Mattresses. So in the early 1870s, the Rouse Simmons joined the sizable shipping fleet of wealthy lumber magnate and philanthropist Charles Hackley of Muskegon, Michigan. Here's where we begin to have our southwest Michigan connection. Hackley's lumber operations stretched to all corners of Lake Michigan's coastlines. The Rouse-Simmons was a workhorse hauling loads of lumber for Hackley's fleet from the company mills to the various markets around the lake for roughly 20 years. A survey of entrances and clearances from the records of U.S. Customs Services for the Port of Grand Haven, Michigan for August 1883 shows that the Rouse-Simmons was making almost weekly runs from Grand Haven, most likely with loads of lumber, to the Port of Chicago. So one of the main routes that the Ralph Simmons was taking was from Grand Haven to the Port of Chicago. Grand Haven's monthly report on daily entrances and clearances for August 1883 revealed the continued dominance of sailing ships even at that late date. Among the 458 ships that entered the port for the month, 269 or almost 60% were sailing ships, while the remaining 189 were steam-powered. Following the Rouse Simmons service with Hackley's fleet, the schooner changed numerous owners and captains before schoonermen assumed an interest in the vessel at the beginning of the 20th century. In the early 1890s, Schumann lived in Chicago, and his career as a local merchant and lake captain was well established. On April 9, 1891, he married German born Barbara Schindel. The 1900 federal census indicates that Barbara and Sherman Schunerman had three daughters during the 1890s Elise, which, who was born January 1892, and in October 1898 twins Hazel and Pearl were born. Barbara learned that being the wife of a lake captain took special qualities. She also realized, as did most wives whose husbands made their living on the Great Lakes, that it was not a matter of if catastrophe would strike, but when. By the late 19th and early 20th century, the popular German tradition of decorating an evergreen tree in the home was widely practiced, and demand for Christmas trees was great. It was not uncommon for a handful of lake schooners to make a late-season run from northern Michigan and Wisconsin before the worst storms and the ice made lake travel too hazardous, and they would be loaded with thousands of Christmas trees for busy Chicago waterfront markets. Estimates of the number of Christmas schooners vary, but perhaps up to two dozen vessels at any season delivered evergreens to markets in the Great Lakes states. In Chicago, most vessels, including the Rouse Simmons, sold the trees directly from their berths along the Chicago River's Clark Street docks. Electric lights were strung from the schooner's bow to stern, and customers were invited to board the ship to choose their tree. In addition to selling Christmas trees, many boat operators, including Schoonermen, made and sold wreaths, garlands, and other holiday decorations. Barbara Schoonerman and her three daughters helped make and sell these items as part of the family's holiday trade. At some stage of Herman Schoonerman's long career as a late-season tree captain, he was given the title of Captain Santa. The affectionate nickname was bestowed by Chicago's local newspapers and by the city's grateful residents. Schoonerman's profits from selling Christmas trees had never made the family wealthy, but its reputation for generosity was well established. He delighted in presenting trees to many of the city's needy residents. Schoonerman enjoyed reading about his stories in the newspaper and proudly kept newspaper clippings about his role as Captain Santa in his oilskin wallet. Over the many years, Herman Schoonerman commanded several schooners that carried Christmas trees to Chicago, including the George Wren, the Bertha Barnes, and the Mary Collins. Like many other merchant sailors, Schoonerman could not afford to purchase the schooner outright. It was a common practice for two or more businessmen or, or lake captains to form a partnership and purchase shares in a vessel. In 1910, Schoonerman purchased a partial interest in the Rouse Simons. In 1912, Schoonerman's financial interest in the ship amounted to one-eighth of the ship, while Captain Nelson of Chicago, who later accompanied Schoonerman, on the fateful November trip, owned another one-eighth share, and businessman Mans J. Boner of St. James, Michigan, held a commanding three-fourths interest in the vessel. Throughout the year, and especially during the winter months when the Great Lakes was impassable because of ice and storms, Many lake boat captains supplemented their incomes in other ways. As a small businessman, Schoonerman not only made his living on the lake, but he also owned businesses that in 1906 included a saloon. In these business endeavors, Schoonerman did not always meet with success, and on January 4, 1907, he petitioned for bankruptcy in the U.S. District Court in Chicago. Listed as a saloon keeper, Schoonerman's debts to his creditors amounted to over $1,300, which he was unable to satisfy. This financial setback, however, did not appear to have interfered with his role as a lake captain. On November 9th through the 10th, 1898, tragedy marred the schoonerman's holiday season when just one month after the birth of the twins Hazel and Pearl, Herman's older brother, August schoonerman died while sailing a load of Christmas trees to the Chicago area aboard the schooner Esthau, the 52-ton two-mastered schooner, built in Milwaukee in 1867, broke up after it was caught in a storm near Glencoe, Illinois. There were no survivors. The Schoonerman family was devastated, but Herman continued the family tradition of making late-season Christmas tree runs nevertheless. District Court records from Milwaukee suggested that August came to the S. just weeks before his death when it was sold at auction by U.S. Marshals to pay fees owed by Otto Parker, the vessel's 19-year-old cook. Parker sued the vessel's previous owner... William Robinson in Admiralty Court over Robinson's refusal to pay Parker the remaining $66 owed for his services as Cook aboard the tiny vessel. In September 1898, Judge William Seaman decided the case in favor of the young Cook and the vessel was sold to pay the debt. By 1912, Schoonerman was a veteran schooner master who had hauled Christmas trees to Chicago for almost three decades. While Schoonerman was in his prime as a lake captain, The same could not be said for the Rouse-Simmons. The once sleek sailing vessel was now 44 years old and long past its peak sailing days. Time, the elements, and hundreds of heavy loads of lumber had taken their toll on the vessel's physical condition. On Friday, November 22, 1912, the ship, heavily laden with 3,000 to 5,000 Christmas trees, filling its cargo hold and covering its deck, left the dock at Thompson, Michigan. Some eyewitnesses to the Ralph Simmons' departure said the ship looked like a floating forest. Now, Thompson, Michigan is in the Upper Peninsula and it's located just south of Manistique. And Schoonerman's departure from this port, however, also coincided with the beginnings of a tremendous winter storm on the lake and sent several other ships to the bottom, including the South Shore, Three Sisters, and the Two Brothers. What happened after the Ralph Simmons departed the tiny harbor at Thompson and with his heavy load of Christmas trees is really unknown, but life-saving station logs testify that at 2.50 p.m., on Saturday, November twenty third nineteen twelve, a surfman from the station in Kenawee, Wisconsin, alerted the station keeper, Captain Nelson Crate, that a schooner identity was unknown was sighted heading south, flying his flag at half mast which was a universal sign of distress. In its remarks on the incident, Crate wrote, I immediately took the glasses and made out that there was a distress signal. The schooner was between 5 and 6 miles east-southeast and blowing a gale from the northwest. Crate attempted to locate a gas tugboat to assist the schooner, but the vessel had left earlier in the day. After a few minutes, the life saving crew at Kennowee lost sight of the ship. At three ten PM, Crate telephoned station keeper Captain George E. Sog at Two Rivers, the next station further south. Crate informed Sog that a schooner was headed south, flying its flag at half-mast. Sog immediately ordered the Two Rivers surfmen to launch the station's powerboat. The boat reached the schooner's approximate position shortly thereafter, but darkness, heavy snow, and mist obscured any trace of the Rouse Simmons and his crew. The schooner had vanished. Barbara Schunerman and her daughters were concerned when the ship failed to arrive in the Chicago Harbor on schedule. However, it was not uncommon for a schooner to pull into a safe harbor to ride out a storm and then arrive days later at its destination. The family's worst fears were realized days later when still no word of the vessel had been received. Over the next few weeks and months, remnants of Christmas trees washed ashore along Wisconsin's coastline. Astonishingly, the lake continued to give up clues long after the vessel's loss. In 1924, some fishermen in Wisconsin hauled in their nets and discovered a wallet wrapped in waterproof oil skin. Inside was the pristine contents that identified its owner as Herman Schoonerman, the captain of the Rouse-Simmons. The wallet was returned to the family. What caused the disaster that befell the Rouse-Simmons? There are several theories, but most likely a combination of circumstances were the cause of the events on that evening that drove the ship under in the heavy seas. Among the factors that are possibly included would be that the vessel lost its ship wheel in the storm, its poor physical condition, heavy icing and snow, on the vessel's exterior and the load, which included roughly 3,000 to 5,000 evergreen trees, possibly added to the ship sinking in that weather. Now, a recent underwater archaeological survey that was conducted in July and August of 2006 by the Wisconsin Historical Society, discovered that the ship's anchor chain, mast, and spar were all lying forward beyond the bow of the wreck. The location of these items suggests that the schooner's weight was in the bow, causing it to nosedive in the heavy seas and founder. Another explanation may be that the mast, riggings, and chains were all shoved forward when the vessel drove into the lake bed during its descent to the bottom. After the schooner's loss, the vessel's sailing condition came under scrutiny. One of the legends associated with the disaster was that prior to its departure from Thompson, rats living aboard the now dilapidated ship were seen making their way to dry land, as if they had a premonition of its doom. Moreover, some of the crews were rumored to have deserted the ship prior to its departure. There's also some disagreement over the exact number and the identities of the crew members aboard, but newspaper accounts following the tragedy provide evidence that those aboard the vessel included Captain Schoonerman, Captain Charles Nelson, who was part owner of the schooner, and approximately nine or ten other sailors. Some estimates place the number of men aboard the ship as high as 23, when it was said that a party of lumberjacks had secured their passage back to Chicago. Following the tragedy, Barbara and her daughters continued the family's Christmas tree business. Newspaper accounts suggest that they used schooners for several more years to bring trees to Chicago. However, the women brought the evergreen trees to Chicago by train and then sold them on the deck of a docked schooner. After Barbara's death in 1933, the daughters sold trees from the family's lot for a few more years. The loss of the Ralph Simmons signaled the beginning of the end for the schooners hauling loads of evergreens to Chicago. By 1920, the practice of bringing trees to Chicago via schooner had ceased. Just a few years later, the majority of the once-proud schooners lay leaking and decaying, moored in their berths around the lake. Over the years, the schooners' disappearance spawned legends and tales that grew ever larger with the passage of time. Some Lake Michigan mariners have claimed they've seen the Ralph Simmons appearing out of nowhere. Visitors to Barbara Schoonerman's grave near Chicago claim they've smelt Evergreen. Today, the legend of Captain Schoonerman and the Christmas tree ship appeals to a large and varied audience, but children seem most attracted to the story. Perhaps the allure of a heartwarming story mixed with shipwrecks, Christmas, ghosts, and Lake Michigan's many mysteries proves irresistible to children of all ages. At least four histories, two documentaries, and several plays and musicals and folk songs have been written or produced about the legendary ship and its captain and crew. Each year in early December, final voyage of Captain Schoonerman and the Rouse Simmons is commemorated by the U.S. Coast Guard cutter Mackinac, which makes the journey from northern Michigan to to deliver a symbolic load of Christmas trees to Chicago's disadvantaged. Captain Schoonerman and the crew of the Ross Simmons would be very proud. And that was written by an archivist with the National Archives and Records Administration of the Great Lakes region in Chicago. And that was Glenn V. Longacre. And that's the story of the Christmas tree ship and the Ross Simmons and legend and myth surrounding it in Lake Michigan lore. And so I just wanted to carry that story today and share it with you. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to leave a rating or review on whatever app that you are listening on, and be sure to reach out to me at michaeldelaware.com. I'm always happy to hear from my listeners, and you can also check out my calendar for my upcoming book tour in March, starting in March of 2024, for when my book on Victorian Southwest Michigan True Crime is officially released. And if you haven't done so yet, you should purchase your tickets for Tales of Christmas Past at the Battle Creek Regional History Museum. I'll put the link in the show note descriptions where you can get tickets to that show. I will be performing in that show. It's Saturday, December 16th. And there's two performances, one at 2 p.m. and the other is at 6 p.m. And the rest of the cast includes Dave Eddy, Bobby Mathis, Brian and Jill McCombs, and the wonderful and amazing Donna Rickman. So you definitely want to come out for the holiday season and see this show. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I really hope to see you there. And come up and see me at the intermission or after the show and tell me what you think and let me know you listen to the podcast. I'd greatly appreciate hearing from my listeners that way as well. And until next time, when we take another journey into yesterday and we explore even more fascinating tales of Southwest Michigan's past. Thank you for listening.